Hi there, welcome along to this bonus episode of On The Whistle. Today we have a full house as the gang are all around the braai. First up, we have Egyptian football expert Ahmed Youssef, who is the editor of King Foot. Welcome, Ahmed. Next up, our man in Cameroon, Francis Nguyen, an African football expert. And finally, former Premier Soccer League winner, Courtney Fries. Gentlemen, welcome to the pod. It's so good to see you all. Well, as we go into the international break, the big talker has been the travel ban imposed on players returning to countries around the world that have been red listed. This mainly impacts South American and African players. There are 60 players in total from 19 Premier League clubs who are due to travel to 26 red listed countries. So the impact is significant. The Premier League are not alone. Spanish, Italian and French teams have similar stances, as do 232 clubs part of the European Clubs Associations. Gentlemen, let's get right into it. And Francis, I'm going to start with you. You are somebody who travels a fair amount for your job. Could you explain to people what the issue is regarding travel and quarantining for players? Um, thank you very much, Zane. I think the great challenge is um, the inconvenience or the way travel has changed is these the testing the exposure to others that maybe you don't have control as to what bubbles they're in. But for most of the clubs, it's predominantly about the quarantining upon return. And with the red list zones, uh, in the UK in particular, for example, you, you have an obligation to stay for, is it 10 days at a, uh, a hotel of the nation's choice, so to speak. So it's not, you're not even given the option to be able to pick where it is that you could go to. Before travel, you would do one of these passenger location, locator forms, then you would pay for these 10 days um, and you're confined to that space specifically. Um, I, for one, I, I've made it a point not to travel into any of the UK red listed countries at present, just because not only is it for me an extra expense, uh, the inconvenience of having just my mind to myself is completely unbearable. But for the clubs, um, the great argument is about their physical and mental well being, um, lack of training or access to because you can't determine where it is you go. I think this is, these are the places where they believed uh, maybe slightly better protocols could be put in place that would allow maybe for the players the ability maybe to quarantine even upon return in specific places or the clubs could maybe provide facilities for them, but it wasn't even an option or, or something. And I just think some common sense could have come to bear for the red list countries. But at the same time, we understand um there is a reason behind it because of these red listed countries but my real issue with the red listing is on what basis because we all know the epicenters of the crisis of the pandemic through the years bizarrely have actually been europe and north america and and somehow in a nation like the united kingdom where you had i believe the second or the third highest number of deaths or anything they would pick on a country like, I don't know, Malawi, or I'm just to, to toss a nation out there with very little comprehension that 
at the peak of the crisis, you still were able to have the league perform in the UK. And at that time, there was an argument for the need for it to continue because it served a good uh, a purpose greater than the pandemic. And yet at this point in time, when it's there, I call it lesser nations. There is a lack of a willingness to demonstrate an understanding about the importance of representing one's father or motherland. Francis, thank you for encapsulating that. Um, we'll open this up to, to Ahmed and Courtney. In practical terms, how does this impact Africa's top players and countries? You got, you got to look at it from a point of view of just the entertainment aspect and some of the things that Francis just spoke about now. Uh, what brings people to the stadium? These are our big hitters that are being kept away. There's just no consistency in terms of the regulations and the rules that are being applied here at the moment. Yes, everybody understands what is going on. We fully respect that. Uh, but there has been leeway created in, as uh, Francis said, the, almost the epicenter of this pandemic in the UK, in Europe, um, and the sport was still going ahead. So why can this not happen on a greater stage, especially now that the vaccines have been rolled out as well? So people are more safer now than they were before. Uh, it will impact a lot on the home countries financially. You know, having these people come into the country brings more marketing, more sponsorship, uh, more interest into the game. Um, and then also, what if teams that are missing these players don't end up qualifying? For example, Egypt. Just take that one. Uh, the big hitters don't come. Egypt don't qualify. Then Egypt don't go to the next tournament. So uh, there's small reasons and big reasons that these teams are going to suffer. Uh, I really think that people making the decisions need to look at the elements of consistency and then who is also listing these countries as red there's another thing because how on earth if you looked at the the death rates in the united kingdom yesterday they've gone up so who is rating these countries as red as well who's making these decisions that you can go there but not go to that place so um it's just too broad not well detailed and thought out. And I think there are many options that can be taken to get a more workable situation. And I've got to just throw the last point I'm going to make in. When a lot of people were not vaccinated, the league, the PSL, in the, the Premier League in this country was up and running and teams were moving around. There are more vaccinations now. Why are we now limiting movement? Yeah. I mean, yeah, just to add on to that, I think, um, it is, I think it's a bit, the system of how they're choosing the red list countries is a, it's a diff different conversation, but what is happening now is that um, it's creating inequality between a lot of the countries, you know, um, you look at, you know, if you look at some of the data for Algeria, Algeria have higher deaths, higher cases than Egypt, but Egypt is on the red list, Riyad Mahrez can go and play in the qualifiers, whereas Mo Salah and Anani can't, um, and, you know, th these are, I'm using Algeria and Egypt because they're, you know, right, they're rivals right next to each other geographically, um, economically kind of similar, you know, um, it, it, it's going to create a lot of a, a lot of uncertainty. And I think, you know, fans in Egypt feel it's very unfair what's happening. Um, and, you know, we look at just, it's not just that, you know, you've got um, Nigeria with Ndidi, Leicester, um, there's a whole you know, list of, of players. Um, Zaha can't go to one of, the, one of the games. These are the top African players who can't showcase themselves in Africa. Um, you know, in these in these qualifiers, it's not just about you know 
country's doing well, but it's about you know, inspiring people and, and to play and you know, going home and playing in, in their country. When Mo Salah goes back to Egypt, there's a huge buzz around it. Um, and so definitely there's a bit, there's a bit of, um, I feel some inequality, some, you know, it's a bit unfair. Um, the, the other kind of thing that I, that I always think was that, you know, so, some games and you know, previously international games were held in neutral venues. You know, there can be solutions to this where, you know, I know Greece and Cyprus are allowing double vaccinated people from any country in the world. There could be games that are held there, allowing Mo Salah to go there, which, you know, and allowing Egyptian players, Egyptian base players to also go there. And it's the same for all other countries. And um, I wonder whether, you know, the, the qualifiers could have been held slightly differently in a more compact tournament style in a, in a neutral country, whether that, that could have helped, you know, the problem. Um, but regardless, it is, it is a bit unfair that some, of the, some countries are allowed to keep their players and, and some aren't. So you've heard, we'll see the likes of Mohamed Salah not being able to travel and Didi, others being Kalechi and Nacho, um, Pats and Daka, um, also um, um, a, a host of, 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 of South American players who, who will be trapped on these shores. Um, we actually spoke to one of those players who was in fact, in fact impacted, a friend of the show, Tendai Dariqua, uh, currently plays at Wigan as Zimbabwean international. And this is what he had to say about the travel ban that's not only in the Premier League, but also impacts the lower tier of, of English professional football, the English Football League. Take a listen to what he had to say. So regarding the call-up for, for the games coming up, um, of course, it's disappointing. Um, it's always an honour to, to go and represent my country. And of, of course, he's a big games for his... Um, but you know it's just one of those things and hopefully for the next games um after these ones that myself and other players will be available to play in that was tendai Dariqua, uh zimbabwean international there now gentlemen i have to ask this question what we're seeing now is this a taster of what we can expect in the next international breaks and potentially could this travel ban impact the african cup of nations in cameroon Well, Zane, in my opinion, I think um, the concept of self-preservation and self-interest uh, has always been present in the game. Uh, at this point in time, I think a lot of the ownership or management of clubs are thinking about themselves, and rightly so. Um, I think the question we must be asking ourselves is how much we have control of what it is that is something that causes us enormous pride, as in football and our footballers. Long-term game has to be our ability not to have conversations where we are dependent on the major names and players of our game coming from elsewhere. These are the kind of deeper questions I hope these kind of moments would present us with. With regards to the AFCON, I believe we have leadership in place uh, that will be able to take the steps necessary uh, to ensure, particularly because of what just happened now and during the last transfer window, that some of these things could be attended to in advance. The positions of the clubs will remain um, entrenched because they would want to protect themselves and their assets. Um, as Africans, uh, it's nice to see the position the president of FIFA has taken, trying to make a case um, for countries in Southeast Asia, in South America, in Africa, where we've been, or it's been determined we have a greater pandemic than elsewhere. 
Um, but I do think there's enough time and maybe I am just an eternal optimist, but I believe in the competence of the team that's in place. And I don't think uh, we would have the same kind of issues, um, but I do think there will be issues. Very few people thought we would still be in the same position at present. Um, I do think the vaccine will probably become a matter of course, uh, where the players, if jabbed, or double jabbed or triple jabbed or whatever new state we will march into. But I think the protocols for how to move between geographies, I would like to believe would be better defined by the time we are arriving at January of next year. But again, we never know because I actually believe this is more uh, power and political play at times, kind of like what uh, our brothers were hinting at early on, how these red lists are determined seem to be the mute, the, the exclusive preserve of a handful of, of people. So to that end, I, again, I, I remain very political in my opinion, um, that we need to have positions that speak to our own integrity. And therefore we must be asking ourselves, how do we have our domestic leagues host our best talents? So in moments like this, we could be move, missing out on one or two of our sons and daughters, as opposed to the bulk of our stars. Um, the point I'd just like to raise is, um, and following on, dovetailing from what Francis has just said, the Euros went ahead. The Euros went ahead. Um, there was a situation created. Teams were moving between uh, countries and playing during the Euros. The FCON is months away. I would say, what's it, four months away, if I could say that? Not that, not long, long away. Um, the governments need to find, and people in the right positions need to find a workable solution. Um, and I, I will always talk on this level because of the high level of rollout of the vaccines. The more that the world gets vaccinated, we should be able to start integrating more again. Um, so they, there was a solution found for the Euros. There needs to be a solution found for the FCON because there's always this element that that tournament is not highly respected as it is by European clubs. So um, start showing the, the, the competition more respect. Start giving it the value that the rest of the world gives to the Euros. Uh, a solution has to be found. We need to start moving forward. Yeah, and I think like the point you made there was that the African Cup of Nations has always been in the winter. Last time round, because of the pressure from UEFA, it was moved to the summer. It just didn't, you know, it, it didn't work for that reason. Now we're, we're looking at, again, you know, we're, we're having to adapt to everything that UEFA and the Premier League want to do. Then it's going to obviously impact um, African football. And I think without a doubt, the AFCON 2022 will also be affected. I know... Um, Cameroon isn't on, on the red list, but you know what difference does it make if all the players are playing against each other in, in, in Cameroon as opposed to players going back to their home countries and playing those games in there? They're not getting that, you know, if they're held in a camp or whatever, they're not going to still get that exposure. Um, so I do think that um, there is some, you know, some a bit of unfairness in that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's and, and as Francis rightly said, you know, in the future, we should be looking at how can we create a you know, the better, an African tournament, you know, purely, you know, the best African players are in Africa. And that's the only solution in the, in the long run is to have your homegrown players who are the best players.
Gentlemen, fascinating thoughts. Thank you for the discussion. We'll leave it right there. But for those of you listening out there, what do you think about the travel ban? What do you think football's authorities can be doing? Do you think this is fair? Let us know on our social media accounts, OTW underscore podcast, or post a comment in our Facebook group, which is on the Whistle Podcast. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Come find us. We'd love to hear from you. Gentlemen, so good seeing you around the braai. Um, I wish you well today and um, can't wait to do this again soon. Cheers for now. Mm-hmm.